All right. Good morning, everybody. And happy Mother's Day. Um, we're actually going to do a, a teaching on mothers uh, this morning. Um, so we won't be in Ezra like we had planned. Sorry about that. Um, but um, we will begin Ezra next week, Lord willing. Um, as a father, not a mother, um, a lot of what I understand about motherhood comes from Scripture and comes from watching my wife and my own mother, obviously, in my life. And so it is a mystery. It truly is. At the age of 51 years old, I look at Jenny and I, um, and I watch her and I watch her mother because it's something you do. It's not just who you are. And um, it's a mystery what she sees and how she goes about um, doing her calling, you know, um, it's a, it's all I can liken it to is like watching someone do a job very well. And you're like, man, that that's a pro right there. That's an expert. And you watch that person. You're like, how did, now, how did they know to do that? How did they know to take that step or go that direction or whatever? And I, as I watch um, her, it's, it's much like that. So I don't have a full understanding of it, but I'll, I'll give it to you like this. It's like art appreciation. I can't paint or draw to save my life, but I sure know a nice picture when I see it. And I could stare at it for a very long time and enjoy it, but still never quite comprehend how the artist got to that place where this brush stroke here, this color here, this texture here, and so on. But I sure do appreciate it. And so that's where I'm coming from this morning, and I wanted to start off that way. Um, as a father, I've got my own understanding of how to be a dad. Um, but as a mother, I just all I can do is watch in awe. And so I commend you, uh, ladies, this morning as I watch my own wife, and I know that you're all doing the same job in, in different ways, in different capacities, some as mother-in-laws, some as mothers, some as spiritual mothers, um, and we'll hit all three of those today. It's amazing to watch. Um, so as I go through Scripture, I try to find, you know, I would prefer just God give me a chapter on moms, and I could teach the chapter, but he, he doesn't work like that. And so when you do a topical, and and you study for a topical, you do word searches and things like that, and it's... Uh, it's wonderful that we have that information. I used to have a concordance. You remember an old book concordance where you could look up the word that you want and it'll give you all the scriptures written down. And then you go hunt them all up. Well, now I've got my phone and that's amazing. And you just type in the word and there they all are. And as you go through them, okay, guys, here's where, and, and I don't mean to be sexist here, but a lot of you mushroom hunt. I don't know if you mushroom hunt or not. Have you ever mushroom hunted before? I'll do another example if you're not a mushroom hunter, so you'll understand. But when you're looking for morels and you're out in the woods, it takes a while until you find the first one and you've trained your eyes and your mind goes, that's what it looks like. And all of a sudden you look up, you're like, oh, there's 27 of them right here. And I never saw them. I saw the first one. And now my eye knows to look for that texture, shape, and color. And there they all are right there. And you can pull them all up. And that's how it was as I went into God's word. It's like mother's. And as you read through these scriptures, all of a sudden you get this picture of God's respect, honor, love, and intent for mothers. And it's an amazing thing when that happens. Okay, for you, don't mushroom hunt. It's like buying a new red Chrysler minivan. You don't realize how many red Chrysler minivans there are until you buy one. And then you're driving down the road saying, no, there's one, there's one, and I'm parked next to 12. And we're in line at McDonald's and there's 17 of us and they're all the same car. Okay, so that's the idea. Once you see it, once you spot it, you begin to get an appreciation and recognize it for what it is. And as I went through these scriptures, I really 
Well, there's just a lot, and this will hardly be comprehensive today, but we'll get to most of it, I hope. Um, there, are two ty- there are three types of mothers that I picked up on today, and that's the blessing of a natural motherhood. There's a blessing attached to that. When God calls someone to be a mother, he calls it a blessing. It's always a blessing, okay? And yeah, I'll qualify that later on, because sometimes she's like, really? Because it ain't always a blessing sometimes. Well, we'll get to that. But from God's perspective, the child, the ability to carry or the ability to have and raise, whether that is uh, in, a, in an actual natural state of having the child, being the biological mother, or whether that's being a stepmother or whether that's being a whatever kind of mother, it's a blessing. It's intended to be. In Genesis 3.20, Adam, when he looks at his wife and he calls her Eve because it says that she's the mother of all living. Despite, and I don't even like to acknowledge what the world is trying to do out there because it's absolutely so ridiculous. You don't want to even give it credit for what's happening as far as uh, genders and all these things. I can't even acknowledge it because it's so ridiculously stupid. Um, There are just two genders. There are male and there are female. um, And females get to have babies. Okay. Uh, They're the ones that produce. So no matter what you call yourself, you're still either an XY or an XX. It's just how it is. Uh, Science speaks and God speaks with that. He calls her the mother of all living. And in other words, so when I look at how God designed things, I begin to get an appreciation for God's heart uh, and understanding of his heart for people. He says, man, you don't get to do this. Women, you get to do this. This is for you. This is only for you. Nobody else gets to do this but you. This is yours. It's your honor. It's your blessing. It's my gift to you to be able to do this. Okay. Um, And so as a man, I understand that's not for me. That's not for me to boast in. That's not for me to revel in. It's it's simply to look at my wife in awe like Adam did and say, you're going to be the mother of all living. You know, it was stunning to him to think about that. I have, Adam knew I'm not going to be able to do this, but she was going to be able to do this. In Genesis 17, 15 through 17, says this, Then God said to Abraham, we're moving on to Abraham and Sarah, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old and shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child. Now, besides the humor that he found in that, the idea is God says, I'm going to bless you. He attached that to it. He doesn't say, I'm going to just give you a child that you've always wanted. He says, I'm going to bless Sarah with a baby. It's going to be a blessing. It is a blessing. And he says that several times throughout scripture, he always attaches that to it. And you're going to have a child and it will, you're blessed because you've had that child because you've been able to be that mother. Um, I hope all women understand that, that the fact that you have a child or that you're holding a child or that you're able to carry a child and so on is meant to be a blessing from your creator in heaven. It's meant to be a gift to you. It's meant to be his Uh, one-on-one with you and you only as a woman. Men do not get this experience with their father in heaven. We don't have that. We can stand back and we're in awe that we had something to do with it, obviously. But we look at this and we know that this is God's gift to her. Truly a blessing. Now, 
it can be a mixed blessing. Second Kings chapter four, verses 14 through 20, the Shunammite woman. Now she was content. She had found grace and peace with God and didn't have a child. And there's a lot of women like that. Um, and she had helped Elisha when he would travel through the country. He was a prophet who didn't have really a place to, he was traveling, you know, itinerant prophet. And so when he would come to their town, she honored God, loved God and loved the messenger of God that much that she said, let's prepare to her husband. Let's prepare a room for him so that when he comes, it's ready for him and he can stay there. Well, he's appreciative and he's with his, uh, Elisha's with his uh, helper, Gehazi. And he says, what shall be done for her? got to do something for her. we got to thank her somehow. And Gehazi, the, the helper, says, actually, she, she has no son, or her husband is old, and her husband is old, so it doesn't look hopeful, is, is what Gehazi is saying. So he said, call her. And when she, he called her, and she stood in the doorway, then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. <laughs> Men aren't good on tact. <laughs> You know, she's never had a child. She's resigned herself to not having a child. Her husband's old. This is not in her, it's not in her cards. It's not in her hand. You know, she understands that. And he says, come in here. Um, you have a son next year. And she responds just like you think she would. No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant with an exclamation point. So she's just stunned. Absolutely stunned. Don't say things like that unless you mean it. That's something I put in the rearview mirror for a long time. I haven't thought about that forever. I've, you know, it's there, but I, I've found my peace with it. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, which uh, Elisha had told her and the child grew. So, so far, so good. Quite a blessing. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, learning how to do his thing with his dad, you know, farming. And he said to his father, my head, my head, we believe this is some sort of sunstroke. And he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. I, you know, I got to finish my job here. I can't, I can't mother him, take him to the mother to mother him kind of thing. And when he had taken him, brought her to his mother, he sat her on his knees till noon, and then he died. Now the story goes on from there, and the prophet comes and through a series of events, raises a child from the dead and, and, and lives out his life. Okay, so... But that is a mixed blessing because it doesn't always work out like that. Sometimes there is a child. Sometimes it is a blessing. And then sometimes tragedy strikes like that. And it's hard to look at that moment or that child with joy or with any kind of um, happy memory. All you can think about is the end and how it was too soon and, and so on. And I, I understand that. Um, it was still a blessing from God, though. It was still meant to be joy. It was meant to uh, simply that be a blessing from the Lord. Now, it didn't end as well as we'd like. And some may even consider as mothers, I wish I'd just not have this because the pain is so great. I would it would be better if that had never happened, if I'd never had that child maybe, and I wouldn't be carrying this weight. Um, and, and I want to encourage you this morning, don't, don't think that way. And let God minister to your heart and embrace that moment in that child and that you will see that child again. Um, and you'll spend eternity with that child and that child is not dead. They've moved on, you know? Um, and I want you to be encouraged in that, but it, it can be a mixed blessing. That's, 
that is part of being a mother is I hope my child, I mean, I, even now I think Evangeline's not in the room right now because she comes to second service and I'm, you know, I'm driving here and as a dad, I have the same feelings, but as a mother, you have, I think a deeper respect is I hope she gets here. She's going to be driving alone in that car and I, I don't like two lane highways and um, things happen and crossing the line. She better not have her phone in her hand or whatever it is. It's going through your mind, but that never, ever stops. I mean, she's 19 years old and going to be married here in June. And I'm still thinking, I hope she, you know, that doesn't ever end, you know? And I think about the more kids you have and the more grandkids you have, that just increases and increases. And so it is a blessing from God, but it is sort of a mixed blessing because until then, all you had to worry about was yourself. And now all you're worried about is everybody else. And are they going to be okay? You know? The second type of mother, a mother-in-law that I came up with, and I couldn't help but think of Ruth. Now, I've watched Jenny be a mother-in-law to two young ladies, um, and they had wonderful, uh, they had a great heritage, too, with their parents. It's not like she needed to come in and help them, and they had no spiritual in, you know, influence in their life. But I've watched her do the mother-in-law role and mother these women when she's around them and all. And what a blessing. And I think of Ruth as where I went, obviously, right away, that, that wonderful mother-in-law, Ruth. Ruth is a, a book unto itself and, and, and wonderful um, to read. Um, and this is the moment when she, she had, um, um, Naomi had, and that's the mother-in-law, um, she had her two sons and they had been married off to Moabite women, Okay. And, and so we make the assumption and we get there that the Moabites had probably not taught their daughters the ways of the Lord. They'd gone back to, they have their own gods, they have their own way of worshiping and all that. But since they've been brought into this family and they obviously hung around with Ruth far more than they did their own mothers after they got married um, because the boys were working on the farm with their dad and so on. And they were in the business together. And so the daughters, both boys died. And so the, the daughter-in-laws are like, where should we go? And so that's where we pick up our story. The mother-in-law says, I want you to you know, go home to your families. I don't, I'm not going to produce any more sons, obviously, and you can't wait for them to grow up and marry them. You're going to have to find husbands someplace else. And I, there's, we're, there's no more attachment here, obviously. The attachment's gone. Okay. It says this. So they lifted up their voices and wept, and Orpah, that's one of the daughter-in-laws, kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth, the other daughter-in-law, clung to her, decided to stay. And here's what Ruth says about her mother-in-law. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has, or Orpah says this about to Ruth. She's clinging to her. She won't go home. The other daughters, the or- Orpah's gone back to mom and dad, but Ruth is staying with Naomi. And she says, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And whatever, wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you from me. Now that's a tremendous impact Naomi's had on this woman. There's nothing holding her there. It's got to be spiritual. She says, I don't want those gods. I want that God. And so as a mother-in-law, you have a tremendous opportunity to minister to your, to your daughter-in-laws um, or son-in-laws. It, it doesn't matter, but you have that wonderful opportunity to mother in a different capacity, not as deeply. There's probably some 
distance at all, but it, it doesn't have to be that way. It can go as deep as both of you want that to be. Um, Haley, uh, Seth's uh, wife, her, uh, her grandmother um, said a wonderful thing, and I've, 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 I've grabbed it. I don't use it as often as I'd like to, but instead of saying, um, Seth is my son-in-law, she calls all of the in-laws, she goes, that's my son-in-love. I thought that was a really great way to put it, and she's a godly woman, super godly, um, and gets it. You know, No, you're not a, we're not related because of law. We're related because of love, and she just has a really great, and so keep that in mind as an in-law, as a mother. You've got that capacity, that ability to mother these uh, young men and, and young women that God has brought into your life, and you can still carry on and do what, with, with them what you've done with your own children. Um, and, I, and I put this in here. We do a lot of studies, and a lot of books are written about Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman. You need to be the Proverbs 31 woman. You know that, right? And so read Proverbs 31, and that's the kind of woman you're supposed to be. You know who wrote that, right? It wasn't Solomon. It wasn't David. It wasn't any of the typical guys. It was a mother-in-law that wrote that. Um, she wrote, this is what I want you to marry. And, and so when anybody reads that, it isn't just for women. Proverbs 31 isn't just for women. It's for everybody. As a son, as a man, I need to read that and say, this is ideal, you know? And as a woman, you look at that and say, this is ideal. This is what a mother-in-law wants for her son, you know? Um, and I just thought that was funny. Sometimes we read those and we're like, wow, that's great. That seems awfully lofty, high expectations. Well, it's from a mother-in-law, you know, and that's, <laughs> of course, that's what she wants. The third type is spiritual mothers. And I was thinking about the spiritual mothers that I've had in my life. There have been many, but the first one that I can remember um, was I was in Bahrain and we got to get off base for a little bit to have some R&R. And we went to a place where um, Christians had set up a place for us to get off base and kind of relax, you know, let our hair down. We didn't have any hair, but you know what I mean? Uh, let your hair down a little bit. And uh, you could just kind of forget what you were there for and, and kind of be a normal person again, just for a little bit for you have about three hours. You could go and do that. And, and they would open their homes and provide meals and things like that. And one of those was, and the, the Christian mothers that were in Bahrain were with the oil company um, that was there. I don't know whether it was Exxon or Chevron or whatever. And, and uh, they would open up their homes because they were, they were there with their husbands. Their husbands were on site, you know, working at the refineries or whatever. And uh, they were off site. And they, there's this group of Christian. They were, I mean, they were Pentecostal. That was my first experience with Pentecostals too. Um, uh, and, and we would go to their house and we'd walk in and they'd grab this great meal for us. And then they'd say, you can, you can sit, relax, air conditioning. Oh, you kidding me? Air conditioning, you know, and, and watch a movie if you want to. I'm like, oh, I love movies, you know. I'm looking at these movies. I've never heard of these. What's the switchblade in the cross, you know, kind of thing. These are all Christian movies, you know, uh, on VHS tape. That's how old this is. And I'm looking at all these videos. And I'm like, where, where's this movie? Where's that movie? And like, oh, well, we don't have those movies. I wasn't saved at the time. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so what do we have here? Switchblade in the cross. Every one of them was evangelical. You know, every one of them was meant to. Uh, and so you knew what the purpose was there. Bottom line is they were ministering to us and didn't even know it. I know it now, but I didn't know it then. And as we left that day, the three ladies said, can we pray with you? And I'm, I'm a, not from that bent, you know, I said, okay, I guess pray for us. And they held our hands. I'm like, okay. And we're all sitting there. And all of a sudden these ladies start praying. And about halfway through this circle, you know, it's me and my two buddies with me 
halfway through the circle, they start praying in tongues. And I'm listening to this. I'm going, what is this? Is this Bahrainian? That doesn't sound like a language I know. I, I don't know anything. I've never, I didn't even know tongues existed from the denomination I came from. What is tongues? What is praying in another language? I don't even know what that is. And it was this woman to my right. I'll never forget it. It was the most beautiful language I've ever heard in my entire life. It was absolutely stunning. A lot of T's and L's, you know. And I remember one word was Tulua, Tulua, Tulua. And she would, and the way she spoke it, it was fluent, like verbs and adjectives. And there was a sentence, and it was the end, and it wasn't repetitive, and it would go on and on, like, wow. And I was thinking, that's the first time I've had a spiritual mother pray over me like that, you know. And there's been many since, but there are spiritual mothers. And so on Wednesday nights, we've been going through Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, verses 47 through 50. It says this, Jesus is in his ministry, in the middle of it, in a house where his family can't get to him. And it says, then one said to him, Jesus, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So there's a spiritual motherhood that's out there that is to be honored today. For the spiritual mothers out there, every Christian woman out there is a spiritual mother and can be to somebody and has a lot to offer and much to share with the younger generation or to those who will receive from them. I think that's the key. Um, And so on the other side of that, mothers excluded, all of you out there receive. There are women all around you that have spiritual insight that want to share that with you or pray over you or pray for you or understand or listen, you know, and to, to receive that from them is a blessing. And so Jesus says, my, my mother, my brothers, and my sister, those are the ones that are doing the will of God. And so look for those women in your life that are doing the will of God all around you. You're like, oh, my mom or, oh, my dad. And you're worried about that bloodline. When God has surrounded you, with women that can take that place or at least fulfill that role in your life, maybe not take the place of your mother. I, I, know, I don't think I, that no spiritual mother would ever want to do that, but they're there. And so whatever was lacking in any other capacity, they're there, you know, for you and to, and to recognize that. And for you as women to recognize that's a role and a responsibility that God's blessed you with to be that spiritual mother. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, the importance of this of mothers. Uh, oftentimes it's fathers. We get that. There's, it's a, there's an important role there, and we'll talk about that some other time, perhaps Father's Day. But for mothers, he always connects it. It says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, that's a funny scripture to bring up on Mother's Day when he just said, you better love me more than your mom. Okay. It shows us the love that you have for your mother is great, And by using this phrase, he teaches us the love that we have for Jesus should be even greater than that. He shouldn't be someone who we're acquainted with. Our love for Jesus should be even greater than our love for our mother, which tells us the depth that we need to have with Christ. And so he uses women, mothers, as a benchmark. And that's an honor to say, I know you love your mom, right? Oh, I do. My mom's greatest. I miss her so much every day. I think about her. You need to love me even more than that. Oh, wow. More than my mom. It's meant to honor women when he uses that. Okay. And finally, Luke chapter 12, verses 52 through 54. 
For from now on, five and one house will be divided against uh, two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Again, following that same thought that the love for Jesus needs to be greater than the love for a mom or for a mother-in-law, and there be animosity there. And a mother needs to have a greater love for Jesus than she does for her own son, that it can actually divide. If given the opportunity or the choice forced upon you, you, mom, it's either me or Jesus, mom needs to pick Jesus every time, okay? Um, And so he he places them on a high level. Um, Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. Now, great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Again, that level. Mother or father, hate them. He certainly doesn't want me to hate them. No, no, no. I want you to love your mom and dad, of course, and respect them and honor them. And we're going to get to that here. But my love needs to be much higher than that. It needs to go further than that. And so that checks us. I love my mom, and I sure like Jesus. That's a warning for us. It needs to be greater. My love for Jesus needs to be greater. Now, a mother's understanding is the next step here. Um, I watched Jenny. I said that earlier. I watched Jenny, and I see her see a need or sense something in the kids that I don't sense. Um, I, I have my own. Uh, moments and and time and I and I and I have a nurturing ability. I think all men have that ability to nurture their kids. Um, some men exercise it more than others, and I think we need to um, very much so. But there are two of us together for a reason. There's a mother and father for reasons because a dad sees some things and a, a mother sees other things. And I've watched Jenny see things in our kids and recognize needs in them. And then go to the Lord and pray about how are we supposed to meet these needs? What do you want me as a parent, as a mother, to do? for that? And that's how she's raised all of our kids. As she watches them and she sees, okay, something's lacking here, but I know I need to do something, but I don't have the wisdom or the understanding. So she goes to the Lord and prays over it until she gets an answer. And she won't stop till she gets an answer. And when she gets the answer, she introduces it. Uh, music, for example. Um, she recognized in JC just this interesting ability. I, I, I remember coming home from Bible study, doing my job as a man, teaching the word of God, you know, and I come down into our uh, Tarkio house that was given to us just temporarily. And we walked downstairs and I see uh, uh, JC, he's just in his underwear and he's, and he's, he's like five, four years old, five years old. And he's, he's singing to the Lord like this, worshiping. And I'm going, oh, isn't that adorable? Jenny saw something completely different, obviously. And if you're new here, JC is our son. He's the guitar player in the middle here. Okay. And so she gets to praying. Okay. What are we doing with this? Recognizing the gift, understanding a calling perhaps, and sees that and says, what do we do? So she begins to pray. We're in Tarkio, Missouri, no offense, but there aren't a whole bunch of guitarists there or vocalists there or whatever we want to do next. So she begins to pray. And, and, and eventually, obviously she goes down and finds this Jason guy and he teaches JC classical guitar until finally he graduates from there pretty much and has got it and is, begins to do worship leading and then begins to teach at Jason's conservatory down there in St. Joseph. I mean, just went from there. And now JC's a, he mixes for a living. I don't know if you knew that, but he mixes music, mixes vocals and other things and other songs. 
um, in his house, and that's how he provides for his family that way. I saw a kid in the underwear doing this, and I, oh, isn't that cute? You know, document that. Take a picture of that or something, put it in a scrapbook. And Jenny's like, no, something's happening here. It's a whole other level. And she prayed about it and found it. And she did that for Seth, too. Seth with his drums. He, he would sit at the table during schooling, just this constant, always beating on himself. I'm like, dude, I mean, we love you, you know? Stop hitting yourself in the head and, and the body and, and all. And Jenny's like, no, he's, he's got a, And so we found this guy named Alfred, Justin Alfred down in, in St. Joe. Um, wonderful, wonderful percussionist. Um, and, and he had these group of kids, and there was more going on there than just, um, you know, learning drums. But we prayed. She prayed about this and researched it and found this guy. I just look it up. Is, is there anybody around there? Sorry, there's nobody here that teaches drums. That's the extent of my, you know. She's like, no, we, we, something's here. So she looks for it, and she finds this guy, and, and, and he's never stopped hitting things since and, and goes on from there. Um, and filming and music and all that. She saw all that in him also. And, and the girls as well. Careers, hobbies, joys, evangelizing and her skating, Anna and horses and art and all these things. She's, she spotted all of that. She took mothering as a calling, accepted it as her career, as her passion. She poured everything her whole life and has and is into that, you know. And as a mother, that is amazing, and there is no greater calling and there is no greater reward in this world that the world could ever offer you other than pouring out like that, sacrificing yourself and taking the time and the dedication for all those things. Um, and she's done that. And, and so have you. You know, I don't mean, I, Jenny's my example and she's, my, she's right in front of me and that's why I use her as an example. But I know that you're all doing the same thing. You've all seen that and do that. And so, well done. Genesis 25, 22 through 23 talking about instinct and senses that women get, that mothers get. Um, and Rebecca's with child. And it says, but the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went and inquired of the Lord. You know, she's got Esau and Jacob in her stomach, twins, and they're wrestling already, you know. And she doesn't go to her husband. Hey, Isaac, I just don't feel right. It feels like they're fighting and Isaac's response would be, man, I think we could probably all say at the same time, boys will be boys. And that's the extent of our wisdom. But then she goes to God instead and says, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. I mean, she gets prophecy, insight, and they haven't even been born yet. And God says, no, no, what, what I'm doing in you is amazing. You know, but she has that sense I know they're moving and kicking, but this isn't right. Something's wrong here. I don't see other women struggling like this. So she went to the Lord and God gives her wisdom. Luke chapter 1, verses 41 through 44. Elizabeth, Mary's older cousin, much older cousin, is with child. She's with John the Baptist, and he's in the womb. Mary has come to visit her cousin, maybe for some encouragement. We're not sure, but she's been told by the angel that she's going to carry the Messiah. So she goes to meet Elizabeth, her cousin, and it happened was that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, 
that the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Can you imagine if that had happened to a man? Now I'm not putting us down, but we'd have gotten a Tums or something, you know, or, but to come up with all of that, Elizabeth, I'm here. Oh, blessed are you. And out comes these, this prophecy, words, and everything. I mean, I know it's the Holy Spirit, but what beautiful attention to the leading of the Spirit, to the prompting of the Spirit, to hear that and to vocalize it, to have such confidence in what you're thinking and feeling in your heart and knowing this is from God, to actually share that to the girl who just walks in the door. You're ki- Without knowing that she's pregnant yet, you're carrying the Messiah. That's what I came to tell you is that the angel said I was pregnant with the Messiah. It's amazing. What wonderful confirmation. What a beautiful moment those two share, you know? That insight that mothers have, that instinct, that gut, we call it, that's spiritual tuned-inness, you know? Uh, They're very aware, and I admire that. and I respect that. I should say this. I've learned to respect that. I didn't respect that at first. I didn't understand what was happening with Jenny and the kids and God. I didn't understand anything. In fact, a lot of times I would be contrary to what God would be showing her. Well, I don't think that's what God's showing me. And it took me years and years and years to start figuring out, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's two parents here and he's speaking to her and he's doing something with her and he doesn't have to tell me. It doesn't have to be through me. Not everything is me, you know, the selfish young kid who just thinks, well, yeah, but the leader of the house hasn't decided yet. Well, shut up. God has spoken to her, and you better use that wisdom that God is giving you, and that that's from me, you know, recognizing that is spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership is recognizing that your wife or your mo- the mother of your children is hearing from the Lord. That's spiritual leadership. And it took a long time to figure that out. And I'm still battling it sometimes, but it's neat. It's a neat thing. First Samuel chapter two, verses 18 through 21. A, a baby is never out of the mother's mind. Um, Hannah didn't have a baby, wanted a baby, begged God for a baby, would weep and cry before the Lord. There was quite a battle going on in her heart hadn't accepted the fact that maybe she just wasn't going to have kids and she'd cry out until finally Eli, the priest told her because he couldn't hear what she was saying. He says, why don't you just stop being drunk in the house of the Lord? And she says, I'm not drunk. I'm just crying out to God about, about an issue in my heart. Again, a man's spiritual, uh, not tuned in at all. Um, He wasn't anyway with this moment. And he says, Oh, you know, kind of apologize and say, well, may God grant your request, you know, Whatever you're praying for, I hope it's okay. I'm sorry I bothered you kind of thing. And he does. And God gives her this little baby. His name's, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Samuel, the name of the book. First Samuel chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. And she actually had this baby for a while until he was weaned. And then because it was a gift from God, left him in the house of the Lord to serve the Lord all of his life. So she like leaves him at boarding school forever, right? But mom's still there. Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod, little tiny little linen ephod, cute little kid. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. 
she'd knit this and make this. And I bet it took her about a year to make is my guess. You know, well, I wonder how big he's going to be. Probably grows about two or three inches this year. I wonder what he's doing right now. And it gave her that time to go ahead and knit and make this beautiful. And it's probably the best ephod anybody's ever seen, you know. And she would make this year by year, and she'd go up, and you know that's on her mind. And you, that mother's heart, you know, um, making this thing, preparing this thing, wearing it. Here's your new robe. Here's your new robe. Put it on. Put it on. Oh, it's perfect. I knew it, you know. And just that love and that care and that thought, you know. Um, I, I have those moments for my kids. I'm not, I'm not a stranger to emotion or to empathy for kids, but I, I don't know that I'd make them an ephod every year. I don't think I'd even learn to knit. Now I might go to this Walmart and pick up a coat for them or something, but I don't know that I would do that, but there's so much more going on here. It isn't about him being clothed. It's about me thinking about him and me praying. I mean, you know, she's praying over her son while she's not around him. She's taking this time to knit. It's not just knitting. It's not just making an ephod. It's not just providing a, a piece of clothing. There's a lot going on here. And it's a mystery to me as a man a lot of times. There's a mystery there. Um, but you mothers know what I'm talking about. There is a connection um, that just is never gone. And so it said, the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord and she got more and more kids. Um, but she did it because... Um, he was loaned to the Lord. She took care of him. Now, the respect, the respect for mothers needs to be there. Um, it needs to be taught. It needs to be understood by the, by the student that you're trying to teach. You're trying to teach your children to respect them. And then it should be expected. Okay, those three things. You need to teach it. It needs to be understood. And it needs to be taught until it's understood. And then it needs to be expected Okay, from the parents. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, first time, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long uh, upon the land in which the Lord your God is giving you. God has given us the command to honor our father and mother for our benefit. Now, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it. We have communion today. I don't know if we're going to get to it today. We may have to do it next week, um, but I don't want to miss these scriptures. There's a lot. Um. To honor your father and mother, we live about 120 years, or we're supposed to, you know, and some of us live 100 years, some of us 90 years, 80 years, 70 years, it depends. And considering how long we were intended to live, and a lot of people don't buy into this, but I do, I believe the Bible's absolutely perfect, but you have some living 800, 900 years before the flood, okay, and that was the intended lifespan, probably a thousand was the best, you know, if you could ever get there. Methuselah, I think, was 900 and something. He was the oldest. But imagine how much wisdom you would gain over 900 years. You would know every tree and everything about every tree. You would know botany like the back of your hand. You would know every animal. I mean, you think about what you learned just since I, since from when I was 20 to where I'm 50 now, what I know compared to what I know when I was 20 a thousand times more than I knew when I was 20 years old. Imagine if you lived 200 years, how much you would know. 300 years, how much you'd know. Four, five, six, generation. I mean, you talk about grandkids, great, 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 great grandkids. You'd have an experience like no other. And so when you get a command like this, it says, honor your father and mother. There is great wisdom that comes from age. Just experience alone. 
not everybody wears gray hair with an honor. I understand that. Not everybody has gray hair is honorable because a lot of them didn't live honorable lives. But for those that did, because we are talking about people that love the Lord, imagine the wisdom. And so God says, I want you to honor your father and mother. You don't have to learn everything on your own or brand new or from trial and error. You can actually hear from your parents, believe them, and not do what they did and actually springboard way, way ahead in knowledge and gain that. And imagine sitting down with 800-year-old so-and-so, great, 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 great grandpa, and he's sharing stuff with you, and you're just gleaning all of that wisdom from him, from all the generations of men. I mean, when you sit down at the family table, you've got great, 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 great grandpa all the way down to your dad. Oh, my goodness, you know, and great, 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 great grandma all the way down. Imagine the wisdom you would gain. We don't have that anymore. I wish we did. That'd be amazing to have all that wisdom right in front of you in the room, hearing firsthand about the flood, you know, or hearing firsthand about the garden from Adam. Adam's at the table with you, you know, Uh, and you're Noah's, uh, Noah's son. And you're listening to Adam share, you know, wow. Well, there it was. There it was. And when I saw, when I saw your great, 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 great grandma, I said, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, you know. Oh, tell me what that was like. Yeah, well, we wore fig leaves for a while, but after that, the itchy, scratchy, bad idea. Hearing all that, we don't think that way. I tell you, we don't have a lot of time. We only have 100 years at the most, 90 years at the most, for most 80 years with our dads or with our moms. And to, to take any amount of that time not honoring them is wasted time. And to listen to them and to grab everything you can and to believe them and not have to repeat the errors that they made that they're trying to help you to avoid because I'm your parent and I love you with more love than you'll ever know until you have a kid. But when you have a kid, you'll understand that I am trying to pour out my heart because you do not want to make the same mistakes your dad and I made. And here's what we've learned worked. Trust me, do it. That doesn't work. Do this. You know, and if you honored them, you could jump so far ahead just by listening to them, you know? And so God says, honor them. There's a reason you'll have long days upon the land. Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 22. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out of the, to the elders of the city, to the gate of the city. And they shall say to the city, or they shall say to the elders of the city, this is, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He's a glutton. He's a drunkard. And all the men in the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear in fear. Now, that's a funny verse to do on Mother's Day, too. I know. Thanks, Mom, for taking me out of the city and having all the guys kill me today. I know. It's an unusual verse. And as it feels awkward talking about it. Um. But it also should teach us how God thinks about mom and dads and how serious he is about what we first read there in Exodus 20, verse 12, to honor them. When we don't honor them, we all of a sudden get the attention of our Father in heaven that we shouldn't or ever want from him. We get an eye on us from him. He's looking across the table saying, what did you just call your mom and dad? Because you're this close from being taken outside the city right now. You keep walking down this road, you're this close to 
us being better off without you here kind of thing. That's how serious God takes honoring our fathers and mothers. Now, I'm talking about godly ones. Always understand that when we share this. There are some ungodly parents out there that have ungodly ideas, and of course, you should always honor your Father in heaven above and beyond your earthly mom and dad. Um, But when they're right and they're lined up biblically and you're not listening, you're violating and you're very close to that place. And so mothers understand that it's not just fathers. And that's why I read this honor your father and you need to honor your mother. There are some times in, in our neck of the woods and I'm sure it's everywhere. Okay. But I can only speak to our area. There is a misunderstanding about headship in the home, leadership in the home, and how somehow or other the wife becomes the first child in the home, and that the men are over the woman like he would be over a son or a daughter. And that's not the case. God's economy never, God's word never, ever describes women that way. It's always even. Honor your father. Yes, first, but also honor your father or mother just as much. It may be an order there, but there is, no, there is no difference in level, okay? And we have to understand that. And so sometimes I see men saying, well, she's a woman. She doesn't know what she's talking about. You don't understand God's word, and you don't understand how God feels about women or about mothers. Um, the children are to respect um, the mother just as much as the dad. And need to be, and you need to teach them that too, as men. That's your responsibility, and they will treat their mother like you treat her. And so we have to be very careful about that. So it's not a rebuke, but there is a misunderstanding, a little bit of a I don't know where it came from or how it started. Just bad Bible teaching, I suppose. Um, but God's word uh, does not teach that at all. It does teach that mothers are to be honored just as much as fathers. Okay, so. Um, we don't want to stone any children, so honor your mom. Uh, Deuteronomy 27, 16. Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say amen. Proverbs 1, 8. Um, this is all the wisdom uh, scriptures. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Puts them both in there. This is throughout Old Testament and New Testament. It's the same. Um, Proverbs six twenty. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of of your mother. That's twice now. 1 8 and 6 20, the exact same phrase. Proverbs 15 20, a wise son makes his father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. You're foolish if you despise your mom. Proverbs 19 26, he who mistreats his father and chases away his mother, putting them both together again, uh, is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. Proverbs 20 20, whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. Honor your mom. Honor her. Respect her. It should be taught. It should be understood. And it should be expected. And finally, Proverbs 23, 22, and 25. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. They want to look at you, and they want to see us as kids Thriving, listening, obeying, uh, hearing them, honoring them, that they might have joy over you in their old age and not grief in their old age. And so that's where we close today. Um, I, I think we'll do communion next week. We'll just have to. I'm sorry, guys, if you're looking forward to that. It is available. You're welcome to have it on your own on your way out the door if you want to. Also, tomorrow from 1 to 8, we'll have the doors open, and it'll be here if you want to have it. But we'll have 
corporate communion next week. Um, I just, I didn't expect this to go this long, but it just kind of did. Moms, thank you. We respect you. We honor you. We understand some. We know there's a whole lot more going on that, that we don't see, um, but we know that. I think that's the biggest thing. Humbly, we know that we're missing a lot, but we're so thankful that you're not missing that. And so we thank you this morning for all that you do. And we thank you that God's created you for who he's created you. And we respect how he's created you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the mothers you brought into our lives, whether they're um, spiritual or whether they're um, biological or whether they're uh, through marriage, Lord. We thank you for them. And we pray that you bless them today. We pray that they would know, um, as JC prayed earlier, their worth, um, that we would know their worth, um, and that we would um, walk that way and, and be wiser for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good rest of the day, guys. And uh, um, if you need any prayer, please come up. Be glad to pray with you.